it took us seven and a half hours to go six six miles. <laughs> uh, but when she got to the to the lake, she was beaming with such pride, and she still today, even though she's three years older, takes such pride in that accomplishment. Episode three hundred and seventy one keeping your kids happy on the trail and the best hikes for kids in Western Washington with Susan Elderkin. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville. Hey friends, Kurt here. I'm excited to talk to you again today about hiking with children. And I know we just recently did Go Adventure Mom. This is a slightly different angle. Go Adventure Mom was how adventure is really advantageous for families and and relationships with kids. But this is going to be specifically about hiking with children. And I think that's really important because it's one of the most accessible things that you can do with children as uh, you want to enter into the adventure space as a family. I have with us today Susan Elderkin, and Susan has written the book, literally, on hiking with kids. It's called Best Hikes with Kids, Western Washington. It's by Mountaineers Books, and uh, the book is amazing, and we'll give you more details about that a little bit later in the show. But it is about Western Washington specifically, but Susan is also the expert at how to hike with kids. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about hiking with children and sharing stories about uh, how rewarding it can be and how fun it can be to hike with kids. So Susan, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Backpacking is one of my favorite things. And um, hiking with kids was kind of what we did when they were littler before they could carry a pack. And it's been a big part of my family's experience, might be the right word to use. So, Susan, I want to, just in way of introduction, read a little bit from your book in the About the Author section. That way people will know your background. It says, Susan Elderkin has been hiking since she was three years old. As a child, she explored the trails of her native Iowa, the Great Lakes, and the Rocky Mountains on regular day hikes with her parents, This early exposure to the outdoors galvanized a lifelong love of hiking and commitment to the environment. In 1995, while backpacking the 500-mile Colorado Trail, Susan realized two things. She wanted to give back to hiking trails, and she wanted to write a guidebook. Susan moved to Seattle and joined the board of directors of Washington Trails Association and later the staff, where she spent seven years as a website editor and communications director, And it took much longer and some inspiration from her children to write the guidebook. Well, Susan, that's awesome. So you're in Seattle now. Yes, I am. And I've been looking through this book. And like I said, we'll talk about it more later. But just in brief, congratulations. This is a beautiful book. Um, It is geared specifically toward hiking with children, obviously. But the routes and the pictures and all the information about the hikes, you don't have to have kids to use this book. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm just amazed at all these destinations in Washington. They're so beautiful. Well, thanks. I, it was, uh, it's like having another baby writing this book. <laughs> <laughs> it took 20 months to write it and research it and, uh, and then another year to edit it and get it printed and get it out. So oh. um, I am so happy that it's out. 
Well, it's, it's wonderful. It says that uh, you live in Seattle, Washington with your husband, John Steer, and two children, Aiden and Eliza. Did I pronounce everything correctly? You did. <laughs> so you do have two children, and they were a major part of this undertaking. They were. Um, they were uh, six and nine when I began the book, and they're now nine and 12. They're my little research assistants. Well, that's cool. I got to just kind of start at the beginning with you, and then we'll, we'll dive into more specifics about the book in a little bit. But the first question is, why hike, period? And then I want to know, why hike with children? I, I've loved hiking since, the, since I was a little kid because it kind of let me get out, be outside and running around. Um, and, you know, later on, I, you know, I, I hike because I find a lot of uh, peacefulness and meditation in doing it. I kind of sort out all of my thoughts and I, I love exploring new places and seeing the, the wildlife, the little things, the views. It's just, it's one of those things that I just keep coming back to. And I think that's one of the amazing things about hiking is you can do it your whole life. And then of course, having the kids, uh, I think hiking with kids is, it's a completely different ball game. And that's one of the hard things as a parent hiker to adjust to, but, um, it's, it's a great way to spend time with your children away from screens, away from all the distractions of home, um, get them good exercise, build their self-confidence and, and really have them bond with the environment. I think they bond with mom and dad too. Right. Well, of course. (laughs) I think that hiking with kids is so amazingly rewarding. And I want to go back to that in a second, but just to throw some things out there for perspective, I guess. There have been times I've been on hikes, especially in my younger years, when I thought, I just want a little bit more adventure than just walking on the trail. Have you ever experienced that? You know, I I have. Um, and when I was younger, I tried lots of different um, other outdoor activities. I dabbled in mountain biking. I tried rock climbing and, uh, you know, I just kept coming back to hiking and backpacking, which is kind of like hiking plus, um, cause I decided I really like having my feet on the ground and being under my own power. Yeah. I think kids might experience that too, but I'm sure that you have found the solutions to that in encouraging your own children to be active as hikers. So can you talk about that dynamic a little bit? Well, you know, when kids, hike along the trail, uh, little kids, especially the adventure changes. It's like this gateway to something new. Every time when they're, they're kids, they're exploring the little tiny things, the things that when I hike just by myself, I blow right by. And so I, I think that's been an interesting thing as, as a parent is really when you slow down and you're walking with the kids and they're looking at all the little stuff and dragging along you're you're getting to experience it, a completely different hike. And then later, they're speeding down the trail faster than you are and scampering up, scampering up a little mountain or a mound to see what the other side is. And then you're kind of following along and getting that new, new uh, experience as well. Mm, and that's exactly what I was wanting to hear you say. It's the kids give us a different perspective. It changes our hike, but it can make it much more rewarding. When I hike with kids, I like to let them lead the way. And in doing that, 
uh, I am rewarded with a new experience for myself. Mm, yeah, I'm sure. And I think that's one of the uh, real advantages of hiking with children. And if we take time to realize that, then I don't know, as, as a guy who always wanted to get to the top of the mountain, I think it did me a lot of good to to slow down and experience what the kids are experiencing. And it allowed me to enjoy the hike in a new way that I guess maybe built my own awareness. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. You know, but you know, but every kid's different. Like my son, he doesn't care about running up to the top of the mountain. What he wants to do is slow down and pick all the blueberries and huckleberries. And then he wants to set up a hammock in front of a beautiful lake and pull out his book and read. (laughs) <laughs> That's great. I think maybe that he and I would get along just fine. That would be <laughs> that would be fantastic. Well, let's talk a little bit about tips about hiking with kids. And I, I wanted to start with talking about the advantages and the rewards for hiking with kids just a little. And the, of course, there's a lot more of that in the Go Adventure Mom podcast that we recently aired. But I wanted to talk to you more about how to make it happen, how to hike with kids in a way that works for them and works for the parents. And you have a, a good section at the beginning of your book here that talks a lot about that. So let's, let's go there. Okay. Uh, you know, I think the most important thing is to choose the right hike. And that means lots of different things. It's choosing a hike that is the right distance from home. Like when I had little kids, I didn't want to spend more time in the car trying to get to my destination for a day hike than I did hiking because the hike was going to be very short. Um, So choosing hikes that are in city parks or county parks or state parks, something that's close to home that you can get to in, you know, an hour or less um, can be what makes the hike good for everybody. Um, The other thing is to choose a hike that's the right distance and difficulty too. I, I, when I was a new mom, I thought, well, we'll just slap the kid into the backpack and off we'll go on the day hike that we want to go on. But my son didn't really, as a baby or even as a toddler, um, he didn't want to have any part of that. He wanted to get out and walk along the trail himself. Um, I have so many pictures of myself carrying an empty backpack because the kids are running around out there, but they're, they're going to run out of steam pretty fast, get tired. It's ready for their naps. I never had a kid sleep in my backpack. Um, (laughs) so it was all about choosing hikes that were short, you know, a mile or two miles for a toddler. That's as much as they can really handle. And I'm a firm believer in having them hike their own hike and not having them in the backpack or carrying them as their preschoolers. Once they, once they turned three, I never carried the kid again because I really wanted my kids to develop the strength to hike the hike that we had chosen and to develop the confidence that they could do it. And they're going to see a lot more if they're walking on their own two feet as well. And so your book kind of illustrates that in that these, uh, these hikes, a lot of them are pretty much what you just described, right? They're easy. Well, and not only are they easy, but they have a lot of interest for adults and children. I'm just looking at the pictures, and wow. Yeah, so I mean, that's the other thing, is, is choosing a hike that, that fits your kid's personality. Uh, my son, when he was little, all he wanted to do was throw rocks in the water. 
And so I quickly discovered that we needed to have that as part of our focal point for all of our hikes. We either need to go to the beach where they could throw the throw stones in the water there or or along a river or a lake. Anything that allowed him to throw <laughs> uh, was a good hike for him and yeah. one that he would be happy about. And my kids were exactly the same way. Three boys and a girl. They all enjoyed throwing rocks, but something about the boys, they liked it more. And man, you couldn't walk by water without stopping to throw rocks. I mean, that was just the way it was going to be. Oh, yeah. It was going to be a slow going. You might only, your destination might be three miles up the trail, but you're only going to make it a half mile because you're going to stop and you're going to throw the rocks and then that's going to be done. And uh, as a parent, it was, I had to adjust my own expectations about what made a good hike. What made a good hike wasn't that I got to the destination that I wanted to get to. The definition of a good hike was, did my kid have fun? Right. And want to go again. It's always about, I always wanted to get back to the car without too many meltdowns so that there would be good memories about the hike and would be, there'd be excitement about going out the next time. Sure. Yeah. Well, how young is too young? What are the ages that are best for this? I, there's never, you're never too young to really get out. I, I th- even as a baby, like I, I had my daughter, I carried her in a little front pack st- because she liked to curl up and cuddle in it. And we go on hikes, you know, when she was just, you know, a couple months old. Um, but we wouldn't go very far and she would sleep most of the time. Um, so there's really not, you know, you just gotta, you gotta scale it to, to who, who's along. Um, I think for, uh, toddlers, a hike of one to two miles is, is sufficient as they get into preschool age, they can hike three or four miles. Um, and then once they get to be school age, they, you know, it depends it, and it all depends on the kid how active they are. But once a child's about 10 years old, sometimes they can out hike their parents. Right. Yeah, no doubt about that. And so when I was writing the book, I was really thinking about that sweet spot between the ages of about two and eight, where their kids are developing their confidence, they're developing, you know, their strength is developing and and really trying to find that sweet spot. Um, Because I think they can after 10 years old, they can graduate on to kind of the more mainstream guidebooks. But here I focused my hikes on um, being under six miles in uh, distance and under a thousand feet in elevation gain. But most of the hikes in here in my book are two to three miles long with not much elevation gain. And I'm looking at the I guess the table of contents here, I see 125 hikes. Is that right? 125? Yes. That is a lot of hikes. It is, but I left just as many on the, you know, cutting room floor. I I hiked about 150 or 160 hikes doing my research, but there are a lot of hikes that I could have taken that I didn't. Um, 
I just, uh, you know, you're, you're really still hitting the highlights. There's, the book is for Western Washington, so it's the Western half of the state, and it's a big state. Um, I put 13,000 miles on my car doing the research. <laughs> well, I'm looking here, and, and there are hikes, you know, a, along the Cascades and some of the volcano areas around the Puget Sound, hikes in Olympic National Park. And you, uh, you have some of the most amazing terrain, hikes on the beaches, Wow, you have some of the most amazing terrain in the whole United States for variety and beauty, just scenic natural beauty. I, uh, I'm a little bit jealous, and I live in Colorado where I, I claim that we have that, <laughs> you know, but this is beautiful stuff. With that many hikes, you must have some amazing stories or funny stories or quirky stories about things that happened with your kids. Do you have one you could share? Sure. I, you know, I I had this magical experience with my daughter Uh we were out hiking in the Washington Southern Cascades um, in a in a forest called the Gifford Pinchot National Forest, and it's it's kind of out of the way. There are not a lot of people down there um, because there's no there are no real towns, so you're just kind of out driving around the roads. And we went to it's a little tiny wilderness area. Uh, it's kind of near the Oregon border called Indian Heaven Wilderness, and. W- we were going there because um, it's known for its blueberries and huckleberries. And that's like the key thing that my, my kids are interested in. They just want to forage. Uh, and so we're in the, the whole wilderness area is full of all these little tiny lakes. They're surrounded by trees. So we start out on, it was an August day and it was kind of, it's cold, a little wet, um, and so we're all bundled up, eating some berries on our way to the lake. And suddenly we see the, this little tiny frog at our feet. And we're like, ooh, this is cool. And as we get closer and closer to the lake, there are hundreds and hundreds of these little tiny frogs, literally the size of my thumbnail. Wow. Um, and it was just this magical. It was so unexpected. We're the only ones there. Uh, and so it, we were just, we were picking up the frogs and letting them jump around and trying not to step on them. Uh, but it was, it was really fun. And it's those unexpected things. We expected the blueberries, um, but we did not expect the frogs that, that make this, it make hiking with kids really, really worthwhile. Um, and that's something that, I'm always going to remember, and I'm pretty sure it's something that Eliza will always remember, too. Yeah, I don't doubt it. I have found sometimes when life gets really busy and stressful that I run out of motivation to go do stuff. But then when I force myself to get out the door, then I start having those surprising experiences that are so refreshing and rejuvenating. Was it hard to get out the door with your kids? I mean, you had to get out the door a lot to write this book. Did it did it seem like a chore or was it always that rewarding? Well, you know, it was great. I had an excuse to get out the door. Um, I find it now that I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not writing the book right now. I like, I find it much harder to get out the door, but having that list of hikes that I had to hike and I had to fit it into a certain amount of a certain time period, it was, it was really challenging. And there were some days I didn't want to go hiking, but, um, it also provided this opportunity because we knew that that's what we were going to be doing 
Um, and one of the things I did do to make sure I could hike all the hikes was um, I did it over two summers and, and other times of the year too. But uh, I, I took both my kids out for um, almost a week each summer, just one child and me. And that was the, that was really the best because we were able to explore new places together and they, I got to go hiking with them and I just got to spend one-on-one time with each of my kids. Mm, yeah, that sounds amazing. Well, I tell you what, I, I'm looking through these pictures still and I'm terribly distracted. I should be paying more attention, but I'm enjoying the pictures in this book so much and I'm seeing kids climbing tree stumps and and climbing around on boulders, and I'm seeing families camping, and I'm seeing beautiful scenery, and I'm thinking of all the memories that you must have made with your kids. And those are going to be priceless for you as the years go by, and I think priceless for your kids too. So, Yeah, it, it was, and it already is. I mean, they, they, remember, they remember those trips and those hikes with me, Maybe not every single one of them, but they remember them a lot more than all the time that they've been spending, you know, playing video games on the sofa. Oh, yeah. Which they do plenty of. (laughs) (laughs) And most of the times I hiked with kids, it was we were going out and doing trips. We we spent all of our long weekends, like President's Day weekend, we would go out and go camping. We did the spring breaks. Uh, We spent two New Year's um, weekends hiking. And what was really fun was uh, hiking in all different seasons. I had always been kind of a summer hiker, but in order to do all the research, the family and I had to get out in the wintertime, in the springtime, in the fall, and and really see what it was like in all the seasons. And I, I, I came to, to love, I've come to love hiking at different times of the year. Check out bikeparts.com for all your cycling gear. They have a wide selection of over 60,000 bike parts and accessories. You can find everything you need, including tires, chains, tools, frame bags, cycling apparel, and even complete bicycles. They've got established brands like Shimano, SRAM, and Campagnolo, as well as the latest and greatest products from brands like Wolftooth, Physic, Zip, and Raceface. Need suggestions or have a question about what fits your bike? Their knowledgeable staff will answer any questions and get you rolling as quickly as possible. If you're in the great state of Colorado, stop by their full-service bike shop, Peak Cycles, in downtown Golden. Check out bikeparts.com. Well, that brings us back kind of to how you have to prepare with kids, especially for the conditions, especially, you know, like in wintertime or in cold or wet weather hiking. And you have a, like I said, you have a pretty good section in here about tips and and things to do to make sure that your kids are safe and can enjoy the hike. Why don't we dive into that a little bit? I think that that would be informative for people. Um, You have an introduction to hiking with kids. You have choose the right trail, which we already talked about. Set expectations. What do you mean by set expectations? Well, I think there, uh, I've talked a little bit about setting your own expectations. So there's like your expectation and their expectations. Um, that it's for you, it's their hike and not yours. If you want to get your heart rate up, you should go out with a bunch of adults and you should go on your hike. But with kids, you should go on their hike and notice, you know, notice all those things that you've been missing and uh, then, and 
don't be afraid to turn around short of your destination if, if that's what the conditions warrant. So it's really about building their confidence and their strength to go out there. Right. And then for for the kids, I always found it everyone was happier if they knew what they were getting into. So how long was it going to take to get to the trailhead? Um, what was the hike going to be like? You know, read read the description of the hike. How long is it going to be? Um, how how hard is it going to be? Um, what are they going to see when they get there? Just so that everyone is kind of operating off the same page. Yeah, that's good. I see here, bring a friend. And what I love about this is it talks about how when you bring a friend for your child to hike with, it changes the dynamic. Often there's an enthusiasm there and they start like racing with each other and you're probably going to cover more distance and they're going to have more fun because they have someone that's kind of a peer. Yeah, it, it's it's like magic. They don't want to whine and complain with their their peer, you know, with their friend along. So they, and they have other things to talk about. So off they go. Right. And so actually you have to, there's different thing, different expectations you have to do wh- when you're in that situation, because if they're trying to race ahead, we don't want them to get lost or go too far or, you know, take the wrong fork in the trail. So there's setting those expectations as well as, um, you know, when you get, to a place where the trail branches, you need to stop and wait for us, or you can't be out of our sight. Um, here, here's a walkie-talkie. Stay in touch with us. Um, so there's other things you need to do when the kids aren't with you. We had that rule when our our children were little because of mountain lions. Believe it or not, they're not very frequent, but they do happen in Colorado, um, where children they're small enough that they seem like a tasty morsel sometimes, and so. We always made sure that our children were within eyesight on the trail. They said, you know, our rule was if you can't see us, you've gone too far. You know, I think that that kind of thing, you can set that up with your, with your child in advance and it creates safe parameters where they can feel safer. Uh, you, You mentioned how to, how to prepare for clothing for the kids. And you also, in another section, talk here about hypothermia in children. That's kind of a special concern that people may not think of. Share a little bit with us about the dangers of hypothermia and what's unique about children. Well, kids, uh, when they get cold, they often don't know it. And so they might not ask to put on layers uh, or or they might, uh, kids, you know, notoriously will walk right through water and they get their feet wet. Um, and so they have, they show different signs um, of hypothermia than we might, and they're just less attuned to their own bodily needs. So it, the signs of hypothermia are a lot like the signs of your, your tired, um, grumpy kid, which might be that they are, they, they're really tired. They don't want to go any further. They, um, they want to just sit and not move. Um, and, and they might be complaining, so, you know, that it's really important to make sure that you have, um, you're always stashing layers in your, for the kids in your backpack, um, a raincoat. I always pack an extra pair of socks just so in case they douse their feet in a cold stream. Um, you know, when you're running really hard and you get all sweaty and then you get to a destination and you sit for a while, your sweat dries and you get cold. Um, so it's always kind of looking out for them that way. Another 
and, and, and kind of as a corollary to hypothermia is the um, is being dehydrated. And I have seen this. I saw this with my first with my nieces when I was hiking with them when they were little in Colorado, by the way, uh, that my niece was just tired, could could barely put one foot in front of the other. We're like, here, have some water. And she's like, no, I'm not thirsty. Well, she was. We're like, here, have some water. Really, drink some. She drank like three or four sips of that water and off she was running up the trail. Mm. Um, kids never know when they're thirsty. They kind of know when they're hungry, never know when they're thirsty. And so drinking frequently is is a great idea. One of the things I did with my kids was I got them small hydration bladders to put in their backpacks with the hoses. They drink probably six times as much water out of the hose than they do out of a water bottle. <laughs> Find ways that the that the kids can be more successful because they like the fun of it. It's like the old crazy straw. <laughs> exactly. Literally six times as much. Sometimes they'll drain the whole water bl- bladder. I'm like, wait, you don't have any water left? <laughs> Oh, that's fun. You know, I, I have to laugh because every now and then you see a kid that's dressed with so many layers, you know, they look like the Michelin man. And you, and you say, wow, Johnny, why do you have so many clothes on? And he says, because my mom is cold. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to ask that, too. I mean, how do you how do you figure it out? Sometimes it's the children's choice. I, my son, I remember this one very well. I was out hiking with him. He was two years old. And it was this it was a spring day. So, you know, we weren't into summertime, but it was one of those warm spring days that kind of are popped on you. But it was in the 70s. And he was insisted on wearing his thick sweatshirt. And he would not take it off. And it, my husband and I are just sweating. We're so hot. We're like, please, Aiden, you know, just take off the sweatshirt. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I won't. And, you know, I was just thinking, he's going to overheat in there. What are we, we going to do? <laughs> Fortunately, it was a short hike. So uh, we made it back to the uh, the car before he overheated too much. Because he was not going to take off that sweatshirt. Right. They have, to, they have to have their own experience. And that's really the best way that they can learn. We can't learn for them, yeah. you know? We figured if he got really, really too hot, then he, he'd probably unzip it. Sure. There's a section on bring tools for kids. This is one thing I had not thought of, and I think is brilliant. So what do you mean by that? Well, you know, giving kids something to do on the hike really makes the miles go by a lot faster. uh, And and allows them to kind of get their mind off of their own misery, if that's what they're really feeling. But, you know, they're not as tired if they have something else to do. So on, um, on longer hikes... I like to bring things along that keep the kids' interest up. So um, have the kids take a a camera and take pictures. Um, I was mentioning the walkie-talkies. My kids had a lot of fun with the walkie-talkies. It got maybe a little bit annoying with their their commentary, but they had fun kind of running up ahead and talking to each other or talking to us. Um, On hikes where there's wildlife, bring along binoculars and, or bring a list of things for people to, for the kids to look for. There's, there's some things on the internet, like where you can find hiking bingo cards so that you can print out and bring along. So, you know, it'll ask you to look, you know, spot a bird, 
you know, find a fern, um, something, you know, other things like that, that you might find in your area. I love um, it. And then maps, maps are great. This is a super awesome way to teach kids how to read a map is to, to bring along a map, open it up. You should bring along a map anyway. And, uh, and, try to locate where we are and all the, the different uh, kinds of uh, uh, landmarks around you. So, and then, oh, if you're going to like to the beach or to a lake that has, might have some sand, bring along a bucket and a shovel. And it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It does. Um, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be limited to what you can bring. Um, there's also games you could play along the way. With little kids, we, we've played I Spy or 20 questions, that sort of thing. And as the kids got older, the big fun one right now, with them a little on the older side, I think, you know, when my daughter was seven, we could kind of pull this one off, which was uh, to make up a story. And so each person um, in in the hiking party gets to, to take a part of the story. So like, I would start a story, I would say about three or four sentences in the story, and then I'd pass it along to... Um, somebody else and then they would continue the story in sometimes unexpected ways um and uh, you just pass the story back and forth and tell the story as you're walking up the trail and boy the time goes by fast when you're you're making up a story and and uh telling it as you're walking i'm going to throw you a curveball here let's see how this works out um you have you know hundreds of stories from all these hikes Obviously, every hike is its own story. But can you think of a hike that your kids would look at maybe 10 years from now and that that would be their story? Can you predict, you know, some discoveries that they made that they're going to remember for a long, long time? Yeah, uh, several of them. I think uh, the first summer I was doing research, my son was uh, nine. And he said he wanted to go off, he wanted to go on a hard backpacking trip. So I wasn't really going to have any hard backpacking trips in my book, but I figured out a way to have a hike that two hikes that were connected by a, 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 a backpacking circuit route. Um, so, you know, we went on this, uh, this backpack and it was really hot, um, that day. And it was hard, it was a hard hike. Um, and you know, he really, he will remember that hike because he had to really challenge himself, um, to carry, he was carrying his own backpack. We were hiking up a mountain in the, in the hot afternoon sun. Um, and you know, but it all changed once we got to the destination and we set up the tent and, pulled out our books to read. Um, and he, he definitely remembers that trip. You know, another one with my daughter, which is another one where, and once again, she was challenged beyond what she was normally challenged. Uh, it, there's this area that is um, called the Enchantments in uh, Washington State. It's one of those places that's so popular and so beautiful that you have to have permits to camp there. And uh, it. I wanted to have a, a hike from the enchantments in my book, but most of the hikes in the enchantments are really difficult. So I chose the easiest hike and uh, brought her along on it. It's, it was like six and a half miles and about 1,200 feet of elevation gain. And she was only six. 
And it was once it was an area that had been in a burn, so you're exposed to the sun. Um, and she took so long hiking it. And there were times when I thought we were going to have to turn back, but she made it. Um, it took us seven and a half hours to go six six miles. <laughs> uh, but when she got to the to the lake, she was beaming with such pride and she still today even though she's three years older takes such pride in that accomplishment you know it leads to another question i wanted to ask have you uh looked into nature deficit disorder is what some people are a little bit I, I i get it um that we're far too oriented indoors when we when i was a kid spent a lot more time outside um just you know catching butterflies or um or bugs and things like that, just playing in the yard. My kids never want to go outside and play in the yard when they're home. So, um, you know, without being able to go out hiking and, and backpacking, uh, their, their time would be fairly limited outside, unless outside of sports activities. You know, in my past, I've had the opportunity to work with city kids and taking them into the mountains and to do hikes and camping and different experiences like that. And it's kind of funny to me because you get a lot of teenagers who have a fear of going on a hike because it is so new to them. They don't know what to expect. The, The teenagers that are actually think, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'll be okay. You know what I mean? And I think that's part of the problem is that we have generations that are growing up disconnected with from the earth. And I think that what you're, you've done here with your book is you provided um, parents with all the information they need to make sure that that doesn't happen to their kid. And the story that you just told about your daughter and that, that sense of accomplishment that she got from doing the tough hike, that will mean that she'll never be one of those kids who won't know what hiking is and won't know what nature is and who might actually be apprehensive to go out and do the things that we so love to do. Yeah. And and I know that they might go, you know, drift away from hiking and the outdoors at some point in their life, probably when they're in college, maybe in their early twenties or something. I think that's pretty common, but by giving kids that touchstone that they know what it's like to, to be hiking or camping, just being outdoors. It's always something that they can come back to and they probably will. I I was one of those kids. I mean, I, I didn't really go hiking or camping for six or seven years. Uh, once I left the house, but, uh, then when I decided to go back to it, I went back to it with a vengeance and decided to go on a 500 mile through hike yeah. So, um, <laughs> and that was the Colorado Trail, right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and frankly, one of the reasons why I chose to work on environmental issues when I left college was because of my, my experience being in the Rocky Mountains hiking and camping with my parents. Because mm. it was something I was like, what do I like? What do I like doing? Oh, yeah, I like that. So, um, I like the environment. I want to protect that. I want to have that, you know, that's meaningful to me. So, uh, yeah, I, I, 
I'm really fortunate that my parents, you know, even in the middle of the country, were able to find that for themselves and introduce me to that. Oh yeah, um, at a, at a really young age. I think there's a there's a ton of value in that. A ton of value in that. I, I think maybe I'm lucky because I live in Seattle because the outdoors is all around us. We're surrounded by water and mountains and you kind of want to get up into it and it's easier to do it. And a lot of the, the schools around here do do camping trips. I was, um, my children's public school, uh, in fourth and fifth grade, each, um, class goes on two four day camping trips each year. Uh, so I got to, I got it while I was doing my research and my son was in fourth and fifth grade. Uh, I spent 16 days with these kids as a chaperone, doing some research for my hikes, taking some pictures. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, uh, but also, you know, getting to see what it was like for some of these kids to be really out there for the first time. Um, because not every fourth and fifth grader in Seattle has had that opportunity. So it was, it was really fun to, to see some of the, the kids that maybe be, are, were more reluctant uh, hikers or reluctant outdoors kids to uh, to to really uh, take to it and to challenge themselves too. I, I really couldn't believe um, when my son was in fourth grade, his teacher managed to mush all twenty eight fourth and fifth graders, so eight to eleven, eight to ten year olds probably at that point, up twenty seven hundred feet to a a fire lookout with a, a amazing view of Mount Baker and every kid made it. And they were, there were kids that were so skinny and tiny. (laughs) You couldn't believe that their little legs could get them up that far. And other kids who just really weren't in great physical shape. Um, and, uh, some that were missing their parents because their parents weren't along on the trip, but, uh, they all made it. And that, that was, it was a, a real bonding experience for that group of kids to have done that and, and for their confidence too. Yeah. I, I think all of that just adds value to what you're trying to do with this book, you know, getting families out there doing this stuff. As I'm sure you know from listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, some of the safest and best snow conditions for backcountry skiing of the whole year happen in the springtime. And Bentgate has the gear you need. Come check out the latest in Alpine Touring, Telemark, NTN, and Splitboarding gear. They have brands like Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Technica Blizzard, Arcteryx, Mammoth, Solomon, Vole, Neversummer, Jones, and BCA. And you do need to be safe out there. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear. They have beacons, airbags, shovels, and probes, and they're ready to help you educate yourself on snow safety. They also rent out gear, so you can get your skis and your boots there, as well as your avalanche safety equipment. What's more, they also have free demo ski days at local resorts, so you can try out the latest gear. Now, how much fun does that sound? So swing by Bentgate in Golden, Colorado, or go to bentgate.com to find your new gear, as well as to get updates on all of their events. I want to dive into the specifics of the book a little bit. So obviously, if you are in the, the Pacific Northwest, you need a copy of this book, right? It just goes without saying to me, even if you don't have kids or don't have kids yet or may never have kids, it's such a beautiful uh, collection of easier to moderate hikes that you can do. I also think it's great for 
for winter hiking, when the high country is socked in with snow, where could you go? Um, and I've had a lot of um, older people say that they look to this uh, hikes um, for kids as good ones for those folks with creaky knees. Oh, yeah, I can see that. But there's other things that we need to talk about the book. I mean, there, there are people that want to do a vacation in the Pacific Northwest, and they should grab a copy of this book before they go and plan some outings so that they know where to go and what to do. It's so hard when you get to a new place to know, you know how to have that great experience, but if you can use this book for a little bit of research, then I think that'll go a long way to making sure you have a fantastic trip. But, you know, you mentioned before I hit record here that books still matter, that the internet can't do everything for us. So I'm curious what you meant by that. Uh yeah, so, you know, I think in this generation, everyone thinks that they can get information on the internet, and they can get a lot of information on the internet. But th- what's on the internet can really vary in its quality. And uh, when you buy a book that's written by a, a guidebook author, you know that it's been vetted by someone who is an expert and someone who has actually hiked the trail. There's a lot on the internet that's just summaries of what other people have written. Um, so having driving directions and directions once you get on the trail, little orienteering maps in the book, um, all provide you more information that is more reliable than what you might find um, online. But, uh, you know, beyond that, I what I love about guidebooks, and I, I have a lot of guidebooks, is the browsability of a book. You can't browse the internet by flipping pages um, where you can just go, oh, that's an interesting picture. I wonder what that is. Or kind of searching um, searching along and like, oh, that's the right distance or that's where I, that's the kind of the area that I want to go and, and honing in on things from, from there. Um, I just, you know, I, I have a lot of guidebooks that I've almost read from cover to cover, um, but you don't have to read them that way. You can po- pop it open and just get inspired by a new place. And that's so hard to do when you have to search for stuff. Mm. And I also think it's being in control of of your own research is a good thing. I'm on some um, Facebook uh, sites where it's a bunch of hikers and climbers. And one of the most common things I see that people post are like, I want to go hiking this weekend. Where should I go? (laughs) And they're like waiting for other people to tell them. And it, I think it's great to figure it out on your own. There's more of a sense of satisfaction when you find a great place to go. Absolutely. I think that books and maps also, but they kind of become, like you mentioned, inspiration. They, they also become the wish list, you know? And so, for instance, your book, if I lived in the Pacific Northwest and I put this on my coffee table so that my kids could thumb through it, they're going to see these pictures and say, Mommy, I want to go there. And how cool would that be for your children to start choosing the hikes, you know? Excellent. That's what I want. Well, the pictures certainly are enticing. I think that would happen. I want to go through the format just a little bit so people know what we're talking about. This is really a first-rate book. I randomly opened this to Hike 33, which is Ptarmigan Ridge and Mazama Lake. But here's, here's how it works. It says, before you go... And you list the maps for the area, the contacts for the area, um, notes that are pertinent for the area, like dogs must be on leash. There is a privy available. 
You might want to check for snow depending on the season. GPS coordinates, that's useful. Then you have a section called about the hike, and it gives uh, the best season, the difficulty, the distance, the high points, the elevation gain, and uh, then you have, that was for part of it, and then you also add the add-ons, right? So if people want to go further, they can do that. And then you again say, well, here's the difficulty and the distance and the elevation gain and that sort of thing. Then you have the getting there to help people find the trailhead, and then on the trail, and you have a beautiful description of what they're going to experience as they hike the trail. And then again, the exploring further. So in the exploring further part, you could see what would happen if you wanted to go a little bit farther than um, you may have originally thought. So that's kind of the format, and it comes with a simple map, so you can get it oriented to what the, the trail looks like and the directions that you're going. And you have that in here a hundred and how many times did we say? A hundred and twenty-five. Well, they're all beautiful. So that's what the book does for you. And uh, I think it's wonderful. I need another story, though. Susan, we are about out of time here. We have just flown through it. But I would love to close with a story that maybe encourages people to get out and try it themselves. So do you have another story for us, something special? One of the places that we really delighted in discovering on um, the research as a family was a Mount St. Helens. And this is the volcano that erupted in 1980 and really changed the landscape. And it's been slow to recover. It is recovering, but it is a lot different than it was in the 1970s. It used to be ringed with campgrounds and lodges and all sorts of things. Um, but, uh, and, and now it's, it's hard to get to. There's three different sides. There's not a lot of uh, lodging or camping possibilities. So, uh, you know, I one of the places we explored was the southern part of Mount St. Helens. And this is, <laughs> this was really fun. Um, there's a place called the Ape Cave. There are no apes in the Ape Cave, um, but uh, it is a, a huge lava tube that was formed by Mount St. Helens when it erupted 2000 years ago. And uh, so it's, it's a, it's a cave, but it's a lava tube and it's huge. You could drive a truck down the thing. So the kids and uh, the whole family was on this trip. It was over Memorial day and we donned our fleece and our headlamps and, and we plunged into this, into darkness uh, and got to explore um, three quarters of a mile down this this lava tube um, and uh, and just outside the lava tube is another hike it's actually the shortest hike in the book um, which is caused by the same event but it was tree casts and so in this case you can climb down little ladders and get into a tree cast and then crawl through them so um, it was it was a super uh, fun and different uh experience for everyone. I really like um, finding things that are unusual, kind of those wacky, weird places um, that uh, the kids will love. And my, my, my children just, uh, they still talk about going back there and exploring the lava, the lava tubes a little bit more. You know, how cool is that too? Because at some point they're going to start studying volcanoes in school, right? And instead of saying, oh, yeah, volcanoes are these mountains that blow their tops and there's lava and, and ash and, you know, they're, they're going to say, man, I walked in a lava tube. 
I love volcanoes. I want to learn about this. You know what I mean? You've connected the dots for them. Yeah, and there's like it, and by visiting a place like Mount St. Helens, there's so much to learn that's just really on the ground. So you know, there's lava tubes there from two thousand years ago. A little bit further out, um, just you know, ten miles away, is this whole creek that got scoured by the 1980 um, eruption, and which left this this these wonderful rocks, smooth rocks. Um, and another part about St. Helens, you there are these big hummocks. They're called. They're like 500 feet towers of debris that was left over from the Lahar from when when uh, when it erupted. And then if you look down into there's a lake below Mount St. Helens. You look down into the lake, and there's a million, literally almost a million trees that are logs that are all pushed and floating in lo- giant log mats around the lake because they were blown down um, in the eruption. Mm. <laughs> so there's like all these different, it's just this living laboratory. And then you kind of see the whole place recovering, plants reseeding and flowers and bushes coming back. It, it's a really great place to explore. And I would encourage people to come to Washington just to visit that because there's really nothing else as unique in this country as Mount St. Helens. Wow. Well, that's fantastic. And that's, thanks for that. That's the reason that you wrote the book, to encourage people to get out there and experience things. And I love it that you're including children. You're making it easier for families to do this stuff. So Susan, where's the best place for people to get a copy of the book? Uh, you know, it in the Pacific Northwest, it's in it's in most bookstores. Um, you know, for for folks around the country, you know, probably the easiest place would be um, Amazon or Barnes and Noble um, online. They'll have the they'll have the book there. And you have a website if people want to uh, learn more about you and your endeavors. Yes, I have a website. It's um, susanelderkin.org. Um, my last name spelled E-L-D-E-R-K-I-N. SusanElderkin.org. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming on the Adventure Sports Podcast today and sharing this wonderful resource with us. And thank you for helping us to understand more about how to successfully get kids involved on these hikes and in the outdoors. I think that's really important, and I appreciate your efforts. Thanks. It's been a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. And of course, you know I'm going to say it for all the listeners out there. Make sure that you do get out there and have some fun, but now you can be better equipped to get out there and have fun with your kids. All right, guys, thanks for tuning into this episode. And until the next one, do us a favor and swing on over to patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast and consider becoming a patron. Every little bit helps. It keeps the show alive. It keeps our interest up. And we really appreciate everyone who has become a patron so far. Until the next episode, make sure you do get out and have some fun.